So today we're going on a little journey to Randall's Island where we're going to actually see New York's first urban rice farm. It's funny because when I first told my friends I was going to do this, no one actually believed me. They thought, you can't grow rice in New York, but it seems you can. And we're going to meet the lady who did it, Unyan Sabasco. This is Hedy McKinnon, and I'm the editor of Peddler Journal. And you're listening to The House Specials, which is the behind-the-scenes look at some of the stories, the people and the food from our magazine. So this island is um, half size of Central Park. It's a big island, 485 acres. So I'm going to drive around the island and show you. The last summer we went to Randall's Island Park, an island located between East Harlem, South Bronx and Queens, to visit Unyang. And the first thing she did when we got there is that she piled us into her golf buggy to show us her farm. Let's go see. Okay. Let's go. It's going to be really bumpy, but I'm going to go... How much you guys have time? It's okay for a day. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's going to be a little bumpy. Ong calls herself a big city girl. She was born and raised in Korea and lived in Japan for some time before coming to New York where she brings her passion for farming to her local community. We used to open the farm Monday through Friday. Now, since last year, we do open house. So we open on the weekend too. Ong Yang created this urban rice farm as an outdoor classroom to teach young kids from local schools about rice, about where rice comes from, how it's grown, how it's used. And she did this because there is no greater passion in her life than rice. Should we leave our bags here, Onyam? No, okay. No, that was a resounding no. <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. What a, what a place to be. <laughs> the thing about Onyang's rice paddy is that it's not the graduated rice paddies that you imagine in your mind when you hear the word rice paddy. It's actually more like a large open garden. And the rice paddies themselves sit behind layers of netting and are built into these long wooden structures that house at least four different varieties of rice. So this is a yukikari, which is the same rice that I have in the flower vase. This is, I think, a Denabrado Russian variety. How, so, do you, how did you choose the varieties of rice? How do I choose? Mm. Um, since when I started the rice paddy, I didn't know about the rice plants. Yeah. So I Google it, it comes up the short grain rice from the Kitazawa Seed Company. Oh, okay. That's how I started. Uh-huh. But then when it year after year and then discover more other varieties. So we've okay. been trying to do different things. Okay. So back in Ongyang's office, we revisit the early days of the urban farm to learn about what inspired her to start this project. I was looking for um, a challenge, which is I was looking for a sustainable design what will fit in my field as a professional field. So I went through the, all the books and then surfed the website and tried to find the definition of the what's the sustainable design. And while doing her research, she found this book about sustainable practices called Just Enough, written by Asby Brown, which talked about how people lived in Japan during the late Edo period. One chapter specifically talk about the rice, and then it tells you how rice paid is, where they're located, and how they direct to the water resources, which is the main resource. 
And then it's really eye-opening to me that they're talking about how the rice plants using it as a byproduct, which I knew it, but I forgot. So, uh, for example, how housing supply or household, like a broom or cleansing supply, all kinds of stuff. So I thought this might be a really great, great project to be using it as uh, a tool at our urban farm, which is the Edible Education Program in Randis Island. With this urban rice paddy in mind, she decided to turn to someone who she trusts and had learned a lot about farming and gardening sustainably from for advice. That someone was her grandmother. She has a four daughter and one son. And then she, she thinks I'm the sixth, sixth one, last daughter. <laughs> so she, was, she and I always on the phone and said, what's going on? How are you doing? So I spoke to my grandmother. Hey, what do you think that I'm trying to grow the rice? Uh, and she was laughing. Really? You're going to do it? But the other hand, she was really exciting to see how it grows in an urban setting. I mean, this is a big city. So when I decided to do this project, I really literally followed it by step by that book that I found and also my grandmother's wisdom. So she was my hotline. So, so what should I do? Oh, she goes, you should do this way, this way. Her grandma shared with her advice on traditional farming methods that were used back in Korea. The New York City uh, weather is similar to what I grew up in Korea and also slightly, um, Tokyo is slightly warmer than and here. But I slowly realized that what my grandma told me about her lunar calendar, it kind of fit into the hour schedule in the rice paddy. So she specifically said call, it's called 24 solar terms, which I didn't know. And then she, based on that, her story, and then tells when to plant, uh, when to water, when need to cut water, and then when to harvest. So, for example, um, in Korean, Kogu, which is around April 20th, I think it's the lunar calendar mid-March, start preparing the rice paddy. And basically, she was surprised when this worked. This old-fashioned method actually helped her grow rice in one of the world's most populous cities. So first year, we harvested 15 pounds of short grain rice first year. It was a big surprise and then happy ending. (laughs) <laughs> and the really interesting thing for Unyang is the more she delved into rice and wanted to help educate others about rice, she actually discovered that rice played a really important part in her life and her family history. I didn't know my, uh, my, my, even my grandma has a rice farm history, but since I've been talking to a lot of people and then i digging through more my grandma's history and her family history. And then she was telling me her father actually had a rice farm, but she didn't work on the rice farm, but she was helping her mom, my great-grandmother, to help them bring the lunch or help them father. So she saw the whole you know, seasonal schedule. So I think that's how she was familiar in the rice paddy. Yeah. Yeah, so when you um, decided to do the urban rice farm, you didn't actually realise no, that there was such a family history. I didn't know that uh, we had a family history of the rice paddy. <laughs> wow. But I think that this rice things that lead me more to learn about my grandma's, grandmother's, mm-hmm. which I didn't know the, her father was a 
actually was doing rice farming. So it was really good to know more connected to family history. Yeah. So in many ways, working on this project and educating her local community about rice allowed Unyang's journey to come full circle. I believe it was 2012. We had a public event, having a tabling event at the Union Square. So we brought a full-grown rice plants in the pot and put it on the table. And then we asked uh, people who walked by what kind of plant it is. And there are only two people answered the question out of 1,000 people in the Union Square Park. And then we're kind of shocked. You know, the rice plants, rice is the any kind of culture, any, you know, countries we consume could be every day. But then I realized that it's only few of people realize what plants it looks like. That was kind of shock. So that motivates me more kind of this is my the good tool to people. Yeah, it goes to show how, um, I mean, I, I think, you know, rice feeds half the people on the planet, mm-hmm. but there is such disconnection to... Mm-hmm where it comes from and right. how it's grown and what the plant looks mm-hmm. like and all the like as you were saying all the things you can do with the byproducts mm-hmm. people don't think about it because it's become exactly. such an everyday staple exactly so but once you start talking about the rice everyone has a story everyone has oh i eat this way i cook this way oh i use the this one for such a thing so, so it opened up a big conversation so I thought this is such a great you know one ingredient but we can all connect to the, have a conversations I think I'm really inspired by Unyang's passion for one single ingredient and her passion for educating people about how this one ingredient can really show us that we're not really that different. I mean, there's no other ingredient that is common to as many cultures as rice. And through talking about rice, through looking at its history and how it's grown around the world, we can really understand one another and other cultures. This is The House Specials, a podcast brought to you by Peddler Journal. And if you want to know more about Unyang's story, you can actually find it in the rice issue of Peddler, which is issue three. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find out more stories like this in our magazine, out now at all good booksellers and online at peddlerjournal.com. And in our next episode, or actually in the next two episodes, it's a two-part special, we will look at this very special home-style Chinese dish called tomato and egg. See you next time.